What running back helped himself the most at the Combine today? Is Evan Engram of value in FFPC drafts right now? And we take a closer look at how the wide in 2018. Plus the fourth place finisher in the 2018 Football Guys Players Championship, Dave Rafkine, drops in to talk about Odell Beckham, the keys to building a dominant roster, and more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Everybody, if you got what it takes, cause I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you so much, Grab. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, what running backs caught our attention at Lucas Oil Stadium today at the NFL Combine, and we take a look at how the wide receivers Finished in the FFPC in 2018, plus Dave Rafkind joins us shortly to talk about how he was able to turn a subpar draft into a five-figure payday in the FPC and a ton more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have for us in there. At HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak is where to reach us on Twitter, Facebook.com slash HSFFHour. And of course, 347-426-3682-347, game over if you want to reach out to us and uh, reach out and touch someone. Isn't that the old AT&T saying from like the 1980s? I think that's what it was. Uh, High stakes fantasy football at gmail.com is where you can email us. Our producer, mutual friend Rob, and our audio engineer Bryce doing their best to get to all the uh, chat room questions and tweets, emails and so forth uh, coming up later on in the show. Want to let everybody know a few uh, kind of some new stuff today with the FFPC. Uh, first of all, there was a new iOS app update in the app uh, in the App Store. If you own an iTunes, or iTunes, hey, if you own an iPad or an iPhone and you want to update that app, go ahead and do that. A lot of minor bugs got fixed in there. You can still register. You can still draft in season management. All available on there. If you are planning on jumping into any of the early season best balls, why don't you try on the app? I think you'll enjoy it. We've got a lot of positive feedback about it. Now, as always, we are constantly improving that. So check that out. Uh, you can <coughs> excuse me, get the link to that. I uh, went out in the FFPC newsletter today. Also uh, located on the FFPC blog, myffpc.com slash blog. Chris Hart and Toby Bielkini, we have not had these guys on this show since year one. They are going to be on the road of his oh, high. Thank God. Yeah. Well, well, come on. They're going to be Those on. Guys are total door. Oh, they're the, they're they're the best. They're going to be on the road of his high stakes lowdown next week. Uh, they won two high stakes FFPC dynasty leagues at the 750 level, and of course, they finished 11th place overall in the FFPC main event last year. They'll be on the lowdown with me next week. 
Uh, Dynasty Orphans available at myffpc.com. And um, it, it, while you're there, check out the best ball superflex and double ups that we've had going for the last couple months there. And Dave, breaking news: nobody knows this if if they're not listening to this show. But starting sometime late next week, I want to say is the target, and and you could probably give us a little bit more insight on this. But there's a rumor that Dynasty Startups coming back for the FFPC in 2019. What can you tell us about that? Could be Monday or Tuesday. Oh, my God. So early next week. Yes, sir. All right. So fantastic. Check that out. 27 to $2,500 entry fee. Yeah. So, I mean, all price points, unless you crazy uh, SOBs are looking for a 5K uh, startup, that's not going to happen. Um, well, I guess it could if we get demand, but 77, 2,500, anywhere in there, uh, you will have uh, the opportunity to jump in a high-stakes dynasty startup league that is coming Monday or Tuesday. Keep an eye out for the FFPC newsletter on Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll have the announcement in there as well. Uh, and with that, let's welcome in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he uh, turned his Football Guys Players Championship team into uh, from a $350 entry into an $11,000 fourth place finish. He's here to talk about the keys to success for that team, as well as how he plans on to build, uh, how he plans to build onto it going forward into this season. Please welcome the fourth place overall team owner in the 2018 Football Guys Players Championship, Mr. Dave Rafkind. Dave, happy NFL Combine weekend to you, man. Thank you so much. I got the chills already. Have you? Did you watch the combine at all today? Have you been? Have you been paying attention to any of that, or, or do you not get too jazzed I, I up? I had it on in the background. Uh, I watched some of the linemen and caught some of the running backs at the end. I saw Calvin Ridley's brother. He looks like he's going to be something special. Yeah, Ridley. Uh, Ridley's brother played, I think, at Georgia, uh, and uh, he looks. He's another guy too that is very old for his class, but uh, but certainly put up some pretty good numbers today. Uh, Dave, listen, we, we want to get into fantasy football, uh, you know, because of all the success you had in 2018. But you, this is not, I mean, trying to win $250,000 in, in the Football Guys Players Championship, certainly not the biggest challenge that has faced you uh, over the past few years. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that and, and, and the adversity that, that you've uh, encountered and overcome? Yeah, um, when I was uh, 22 years old, I started developing some really bad back pain, shoulder pain. I was no longer able to work, spent about two years, physical therapy, injections, everything under the sun, finally went to a surgeon, and he said, we straighten you out, you should be good to go. They were going to fuse me from T1 to L2, which is basically 80% of your spine. Uh, About 11 hours into that surgery, my heart had stopped twice. They had to close me up, finish the surgery a week later. Um, in total, I've had nine spine surgeries and deal with some nerve pain and uh, nerve damage and chronic pain, but nothing better like football, fantasy football, to get my mind off of that stuff. So thank you for asking. Well, absolutely, and we're obviously all rooting for you. We're glad to hear that, uh, that everything has, has gone as, as well as I guess can be expected given everything uh, that, that, that uh, you've faced. But certainly $11,000 in the Football Guys Players Championship, that had to make those Sundays going up at the uh, end of the season a little bit more enjoyable for you. Oh, certainly did. A big smile on my face. I really was pinching myself. I, I couldn't believe that it was really my team sitting there. I had a few friends. I had made them go online and look and make sure I wasn't seeing things. <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, man, congratulations on finishing fourth in the FPC last year. 
There's a lot of hype on Tyreek Hill. We've provided as much as we possibly could. Yeah, we, we drove that train. Yes, we did. <laughs> Stephon Diggs and also Keenan Allen last season. Why did you decide to take uh, Devontae Adams over all of them in the second round? Basically, I had Allen and Adams pretty even. And then what I like to do is really just boil down who is the true stud. Green Bay has no one but Adams, basically. He's the go-to guy there. There's no running game. I wasn't worried about Randall Cobb. So, And then if you look at Allen, also the touchdowns with um, Adams, forgive me, he had uh, three double-digit touchdown seasons in a row. Keenan Allen's only coming off uh, back-to-back seasons of six touchdowns each. And he had a huge, huge supporting cast there, a lot of other weapons and targets. So that's kind of how I decided between those two. And, um, you know, looking at Tyreek Hill, I loved his upside. I, again, a little concerned with Mahomes, his first year as a starter, obviously. Couldn't have gone better for Mahomes, but it's another offense with a ton of target-hungry targets. And uh, I felt like Adams was, was the guy to go with. Yeah, Devonta Adams, you mentioned it, uh, 12, 10, and 13 touchdowns over his last three seasons. He's had at least 74 catches in all three of those years, uh, at least 885 yards. Obviously, last year was the big breakout, and you took full advantage of that, Dave. 111 catches, 1,386 yards, 13 touchdowns. Really a crazy year for him, and we're seeing him go uh, sometimes as the first wide receiver off the board in a lot of uh, FFPC drafts. Uh, he is going right now at the 111 on average in uh, best ball drafts with the FFPC right now as wide receiver two behind DeAndre Hopkins. So you certainly took big-time advantage of Adams. Congrats on that. He's probably in for another big season. I want to talk about tight end with you because you were the second-to-last sure. player to draft the tight end in this league. Tell us a little bit about why you waited on that position. And, and, Dave, given the fact that you hit on George Kittle in the eighth round of this league, are you likely to employ that strategy again in 2019? Let me say one thing first and foremost. I got so lucky with Kittle, so I'm not going to take credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, it it was by default. I certainly wasn't going to take Tyler Eifert over him. And I guess the last guy to take a tight end did end up with Eifert, so my heart goes out to him. Um, But, yeah, I mean, my general strategy is always to wait on quarterback and tight end. I I know we have the 1.5 points per reception. I I think it kind of sucks people in a little too early maybe on the tight end position. If you're not getting Ertz or Kelsey, I, I have a hard time taking a tight end in the fifth round or earlier. I know they go off the board quickly, and again, I got lucky. I was really high on Ebron. I was planning on taking him with the fifth pick in the seventh round, but I think he went 7-1 in that draft, so I didn't get a shot on Ebron. I wonder if there's a, you know, maybe we can get Darren Armani on this, our good buddy at FantasyMojo.com, at FantasyMojo on Twitter. How many? It seemed like there could have been a lot of successful teams last year who waited on tight end and then went with a George Kittle, Eric Ebron combo and then deployed those guys in the same lineup every single week for the majority of the season and really crushed it at, at a at a pre, not at not at a premium at a discount in the drafts. I'll, I'll have to look in for that. But yeah, Ebron and and Kittle certainly two of the biggest values last year, no doubt. 
When we get up to, uh, or when you got up, Dave, and we're talking with Dave Rafkind, the fourth place overall team in the Football Guys Players Championship, $11,000 payday for him. What was it like, Dave, those, those last few weeks, and you're, you're watching the, the games go off, you're, you're seeing your team right around the top of the leaderboard for a $250,000 grand prize. Can you tell us some of the thoughts that were going through your mind as you're watching the NFL action? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I had a few people double-check to make sure it was my team sitting there. I mean, I've been with you guys for, I think, six or seven years now, and obviously this is the best I've ever done. So it it was hard to imagine that I saw my snacks team sitting there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't sleep that week, and I'm on a lot of medication. So for me not to sleep, you know, I was pretty excited and amped up. (laughs) But I got to tell you one thing that's kind of amazing is Justin Tucker. I I mean, the man is money, but he missed a 63-yarder and a 57-yarder that final week. So, I mean, you're looking at uh, 12 points there. Would have been interesting. I would have probably finished third. And if you look at the L.A. Ram defense, they had that strip sack uh, fumble return touchdown called back on a, on a long review. I, that review felt like it took hours. It took them a while to make that. <laughs> I mean, that, that was painful. So, uh, you know, if, if those things go my way, I probably fin- I do finish in second, but uh, I'm still just so happy. I was, I'm normally superstitious as a New York football fan or just a New York sports fan, so I was extra superstitious that week. I, I was – I have an electric toothbrush that does a two-minute cycle. They do 30 seconds in each corner of your mouth. And I would make sure that I turn that toothbrush around at the last second before it went off. That was like my, my good luck thing that week, and, and it worked. So, yeah, I just was, was very superstitious. And I had all the football games, red zone on, the, uh, you know, all the playoff games, obviously. It was really an exciting, amazing week. Well, Dave, don't lose that toothbrush because you might need it in 2019, too. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, before what? we get uh, too far away, I just wanted to what? give a shout-out to uh, Chris Lampert. She has just been so amazing as long as I've been with you guys. She she handles everything. You send her an email, and she gets right back to you. She, she's an absolute superstar and one of my favorite people, so just wanted to get her name in there. Oh, absolutely. She's one of our favorite people. And I say, like, I, I say people in quotation marks, Dave, because she may be like a cyborg, though, how tirelessly she works, uh, part robot, part human. Uh, she's all love, though. And uh, Chris Lambert, uh, definitely shout out to her as well. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's the best. She's the best. Yeah. Um, okay. And she's there on holidays. I mean, I, I think it was, um, was it Christmas? It was one of the big holidays, and, yeah, she was there answering emails. She, yeah, she is unbelievable, so, yeah. She's the best, yeah, we no question. We, we don't let her have holidays. All right, well, that's not totally true. She's, 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 uh, <laughs> she's, like chained, she's chained to her computer. That, yeah, that's definitely – well, I mean, yeah, I should – have cameras on her. She might chain, her, she might chain herself to her computer. <laughs> like, it, it's, all, it's all about, like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the um, you know, getting better, bettering yourself, and, and Chris might do that. I'm not sure. I don't know. So anyway, back to the back to the actual questions about drafting and so forth. So as far as uh, just an overall draft construction strategy, do you prefer to take a single running back and then load up on receivers later, or do you sometimes go with a zero RB type of thing? Or, you know, with FFPC, you could take four straight running backs and do well there sometimes. 
What do you uh, do? You, do you have a typical strategy you always employ, or I almost do. always? Employ? I mean, I, I love your format, having the uh, two-two and the double flex, because it does give you so much room to play with. But ideally, I like to get one stud running back in the first round, and then go best player available. By the end of five rounds, ideally, I'd like two running backs and three wide receivers, but. As long as I get two stud receivers and a stud running back to start the first three rounds, then it's it's really best player available. And like I mentioned, just holding off on the quarterback and tight end as long as possible really seems to pay off. Yeah, it paid off for you this year, no question. And I think um, uh, that the, the strategy that you just described, I think, is something that, that I subscribe to. You know, tight end premium or not, uh, double flex or not, I think is a strong way to start off pretty much any PPR draft, no question. Uh, Dave Rafkind, the fourth-place overall team in the Football Guys Players' Championship, joining the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Dave Gerzak. Let's talk a little New York Giants football here with you, Dave. Um, we've heard the rumors about Odell Beckham potentially being traded. Uh, what are the chances that he is wearing a different uniform before the start of week one of this season? Well, I wish I had a couple of dollars every time this comes up because it's multiple times a day from different reporters. But, look, like Gettleman said, we didn't sign him to trade him. Gettleman is all about business, and I'm sure if he gets the right offer, he's going to entertain it. But I, I can't see him playing anywhere but New York. I, I think he's going to have to be patient with this offense, though, depending on Eli's going to start the season most likely and Barkley's uh, just commanding a lot of uh, touches. So we're not going to see the old Odell, I don't think, for at least another year. So if he can keep his head on his shoulders um, and play well through the season. But I definitely think he'll be uh, wearing giant blue come week one. And I just look at this Giants offense, too. You know, they have Beckham, they have Barkley, they have Evan Engram, Sterling Shepard, obviously. And, and you know Eli isn't going to be long for this league. But, I mean, taking a quarterback in the first round this year, letting him sit all season behind Eli Manning, maybe giving him a couple of games at the end of the 2019, uh, 2019 season, then all of a sudden in 2020 you might have one of the best deep, or excuse me, best offenses in the NFC East if it, if it all comes together. So if you can – you know, if you're the Giants, you could sweat out this season. 2020 could not only be a big year for the Giants, it could be a big year for fantasy players who are drafting New York Giants, Dave. Absolutely. The right quarterback could really take advantage of all those weapons. Um, the Ingram injuries were really tough last year. I hope he comes back healthy because he, he's another big piece of the offense. Sterling Shepard is, is just such a clutch guy. But this year he was really a hit or miss. You know, it was feast or famine with him. But, yeah, the offense – on paper looks looks pretty potent. The offensive line still needs some work and who knows? Eli could could put something together, but like you said, getting the right quarterback in place, yeah, sky's the limit in uh twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, so this is a question actually where I'm not even sure if I had a good answer to it, so hopefully we've done some homework. Uh pass catching running backs is something that high stakes players love getting their hands on. Uh Christian McCaffrey is a great example. Unfortunately uh, we're looking for players that you might be targeting going after round six, not in the first three picks. Do you have any running backs that are pass catchers that you think might go after round six? Yeah, I have a few. I mean, the obvious one is Tyreek Cohen. He went in the seventh round in that draft. I know Chicago has been actually shopping around Howard. If Howard does end up jumping ship, then obviously Tyreek Cohen's going to go well before the seventh. But guy I'm really excited about is Geis. 
in uh, Washington. Hopefully he comes back healthy. They were really high on him, and they love that pass-catching running back. I think he could he could be something special. And then you have two unrestricted free agents. I mean, Yeldon and Coleman, depending on where they end up, I mean, they're always good for, for a bunch of receptions. And one of my favorite names, who I don't even think got drafted last year, was Jalen Richard. I mean, this guy finished seventh among all running backs. I think he had 68 catches. Uh, very, very underrated and active player. I don't know if he can repeat that, but, but that was pretty impressive. And then in the real late rounds, I mean, Ekelar, he might go a little bit earlier than the late, late rounds, but he's definitely going to be involved. And Jalen Samuels is a late-round flyer. I mean, Connor is very interesting, but I don't know if he can hold up as an every-down back the entire season. Roethlisberger's getting old. They're going to need to throw the ball underneath. No more Antonio Brown. So Samuels could be a sneaky, sneaky pick for someone. You hit on a lot of the names that 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 uh, that, that I was thinking of. One guy that that we haven't talked about in this question. I'll I'll just pitch this to you. You know, we saw Derrick Henry last year really just come into his own and be a man uh, the last month of the season, and and that sort of left Deion Lewis uh, to the wayside in Tennessee. Now Tennessee does have a new offensive coordinator this year. Deion Lewis has been a pass catcher in the past, and Dave, right now in FFPC drafts, he's not being selected until the late twelfth round. Does that seem like a pretty good buy for you for Lewis, given the unknowns uh, that that exist for the Titans right now? Absolutely, I was actually high on him. I did draft him in about. Six, I think six leagues, and um, the beginning of the season that looked really good, but you know then he was very up and down. Yeah, Derrick Henry, he is so frustrating. It seems every year, at least the last two years, he can't do anything until the last month of the season, and then he's running people over and highlight reels here and there. But, yeah, I, as long as Deion Lewis is on that roster, he should have a role. So we'll see. What, like, Delaney Walker injury absolutely killed that offense, and – so if they can get the quarterback going and get Delaney back, kind of makes the offense flow, and then Deion Lewis is, could be another PPR machine like he was two years ago. Yeah, no quite. I think in, in the 12th round, he is a risk definitely worth taking there. Uh, I want to move on to some emails here from listeners. Uh, first one is from Jim in Crafton, Pennsylvania. And uh, one of the things that some of the some of the listeners like to do from time to time, they send in these blind resumes where they talk about um, you know, different aspects of a certain player, and then we have to guess who the player is. Now, I see the email, so I know who the answer is. So, Dave, I'll pitch this to you. And Dave Gerzak, maybe if, if Dave uh, Rafkind can't get it, you can uh, take a stab at this. But this is Jim in Crafton, Pennsylvania. Uh, he writes, who am I? Last year, I led the league in yards per carry with a minimum of 100 rushes, despite not being drafted until the 9-11 in FFPC drafts. I did miss four games last year, but still finished as running back 24 or running back 16 on a points-per-game basis. Many fantasy owners still complained about me being criminally underused, and I am now being drafted at the 310 and RB18 in 2019 FFPC drafts. My real-life team has made no significant changes so far at my position. Who am I? Good luck, gentlemen. That is Jim in Crafton, Pennsylvania. Any guesses, Dave? Could it be Marlon Mack? Marlon Mack is a good guess. It is not correct. Uh, Dave Gerzak seems that like he is, he is, he's, he's like Horshack and welcome back Cotter right now. He's like, oh, oh, Mr. Bachman, I know the answer. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, Aaron Jones? It is Aaron Jones. Right. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, nice. Uh, 
he, he, he did lead the league in, in yards per carry last year. He um, wants to lead the league in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns and yards per carry again this year. And, and so far, it's just Jamal Williams in that backfield. Now I expect the Packers to add another running back in the draft or potentially free agency, but more likely the draft. But that doesn't change Aaron's jo- Aaron Jones' status uh, on this team. And, you, you know, Dave, we look at this, and, and he's going uh, at the end of the third round in uh, FFPC drafts right now. Uh, for a guy with a ceiling as high as his, he'd be a, uh, especially a guy, if you, if you went wide receiver, wide receiver with your first two picks, you get him at the end of the third, that's, that's not a bad way to start a team. Absolutely not. Even if you go running back receiver and then grab him in the third, but yeah, to have him as a number two, that's pretty impressive. I, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. He definitely had a down year, but hopefully he bounces back. But regardless, yeah, Aaron Jones is great. And I, and I think he needs another running back to keep him fresh and, and producing. So I think it's the perfect setup for them in green Bay. So yeah, I, I totally am all in on Aaron Jones. Dave Gerzak, you just made a dynasty trade today involving Aaron Jones. I don't. Do you want to talk about that real briefly and and let the listeners know? Uh, yeah, someone offered me actually Aaron Jones and Corey Clement, who I can care less about, right. or uh, Kareem Hunt and Kiki Cutie. And um, you know, I, I rarely get dynasty trade offers that are actually even close. So I'm like, oh, this one's actually pretty. Close. You didn't even counter it. You just accepted. So I just, yeah, I took it. I mean, it seemed like it was seemed fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. Why not? Okay. There you go. So Kareem Hunt. That's and... not why I knew it, but it, Jones was top of mind today. So maybe that might have had a could a, be. A little bit Did of a... you know he led the la- the league in yards per carry last year? I didn't know that, but I just. You know, again, just so I, what gave it away in this? Just curiously, when, when did when did the light bulb turn on when you when you knew um, who it was? At what point in the? I, I, well, missing four games that it didn't at first, but then I was like, well, who missed? I was thinking who missed four games, right? And then had a kind of a season like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, Jones missed games. And quite frankly, remember the first two games he missed, not due to injury. That was a suspension too. Was probably juicing it. What was it? No, yeah, he's, uh, it was weed. Yeah, it was it was weed. weed uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's good then. Yeah, what, whatever. It's legal in like 40, 15 states. Dave, let's get 40 states soon. Yes, Dave, let's get to one more email for you. This is from Greg in Portland, Oregon. He writes, "Oh, this is a guy that we actually talked about already. I noticed that Evan Engram is still going off as tight end seven at the 506 in FFPC draft so far. Is that too high?" to take him given the season he is coming off of congrats on the great football guys showing Dave that is Greg in Portland Oregon thank you for the email Greg so uh Dave yeah Evan Engram mid fifth round does that seem about right to you is is that a value is is that too high how do you feel about Engram going at that spot it could be a little early I would kind of have him more in the tight end eight to ten range but if he's healthy you know Eli's arm strength we saw last year is pretty much gone so Ingram and Barkley should really favor the most out of that situation so yeah if Ingram's healthy he could end up uh doing better than that but I feel more comfortable as the eighth or ninth tight end off the board depending on what round that turns out to be Dave Gerzak you on board with that uh not not taking Evan Ingram in the mid-fifth in in a tight end premium format, yeah, it seems a tad early. Yeah, the quarterback play and the offense being kind of in the bottom half of the, well, okay. middle to bottom half. Yeah, middle to bottom. I think that's uh, that's pretty accurate. Sort of like this podcast. Yes, um, bottom it, half of all podcasts. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I was gonna say just football. Oh, just right. all podcasts. I guess. Yeah. yeah well, other podcasts. Yeah, you know, there's all those you know meditation We're, podcasts and the, the true crime God podcasts. True crime podcasts are killing us right now. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Uh, what, well, you know, I mean, one of these like days. National guy. No, oh, we're national guys. Talking about other people who hosted in like you know bad studios or basements or wherever they are. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Touche. 
Mo- moving on. All right, Dave, I got a question for you. More, much more importantly, I know it's early, but can you give us a player you'll be staying away from in the early rounds next season, and also a player that is a sleeper who is poised to break out in 2019? Well, let's see. Um, Leonard Fournette goes without saying. I am never touching him again unless he falls way, way down. And Beckham. I mean, I'm sure people are soured on him a little bit. I, I just do not see him getting back to what he was until the quarterback situation is resolved and the offensive line is a little bit stronger. So those are two big names. Um, I'm also on the fence about A.J. Green, uh, the injuries and what goes on there. So I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of draft they have, who they bring in in free agency. But, um, yeah, definitely Beckham and Fournette for sure. Uh, Leonard Fournette right now going at the 308 in uh, in FFPC drafts. That's two full rounds later than he was going last year. You have uh, Odell Beckham uh, going at the 210 right now. That's probably about a, a half round to a full round later than what he was going in 2019. And A.J. Green, Dave, has plummeted all the way to the 402 this year. So people, I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's a Cincinnati offense thing. But and he just gets hurt. It seems like he hasn't had a healthy year since, what, and, and, and he is, something? Yeah, and he is 30 years old. Am I correct in that? In, in, I mean, believe he's, so, he's, yes. He's got, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, not getting, uh, he's not getting any younger. Yeah, but Antonio Brown is the same age, it's, but he's just been productive the past few years. So and he, and he stayed off the training table, to your point. A.J. Green will turn 31 on the final day of July this season. So before wow. the NFL season commences, he will be 31 years old. Boy, how far? Doesn't it seem like the, just yesterday we were talking about A.J. Green and Julio Jones at the Combine? Are we getting old? I think we're getting old. We are getting old. I remember <laughs> at that, that was the draft. I was thinking about the other day because people always talk about these one-on-one picks. And, oh, yeah, this picks a lock or whatever that year uh mark ingram was all in the conversation oh for being the number one yeah pick. Was ingram yeah julio and aj green and uh the one the guy the one one i, I took uh, julio and that, that worked out well but i remember in the pirate swag dynasty league i grabbed ingram ingram fell so far i grabbed him off of waivers for a buck and this was like you know when this what? was like three years or four years because he was terrible for like three years. Oh, after after, after he got drafted, he was okay. terrible for a while. Uh, yeah, and then you know then he has gone on gone on to become successful. But that's how far Ingram fell for a while. I remember I called. Yeah, he was out of shape too. He always had that big belly. He just yeah, definitely yep. a different type of guy. Yeah, I remember I I co-owned a dynasty team with our with our good buddy Fred Dave, and we had we were coming off we won the league, and then so we had the one twelve pick the the following year, and we were really loaded except for we only had we had MJD as our number one running back and no second running back. I mean it was terrible. We didn't even have a good pass catching one. I right. said we need to commit some assets here to see if we can move up, and the only guy who was really willing to trade down to us was the dude who had the 101 pick right. where Mark Ingram was expected to go. Sure. So we, I can't remember what we, we offered. A huge package. We, it yeah. was like Demarius Thomas and then like two first rounders for the 101. Yeah. And I think we throw, we're throwing in like a, the, not that year, but the following year, second rounder. And um, like five minutes later, we get an email from, wow, not even close. <laughs> and, and and no counter on that. I'm like, all right, well, it, it is what it is. We moved on, and I don't think we won the league again, but I was happy we didn't get Mark Ingram <laughs> either and, and salt that away, uh, no question. Uh, I interrupted you, Dave. Is there, any, uh, is there any sleepers that you're looking at in 2019 that, that you think you'll be targeting on a bunch of your teams? I haven't really gone too deep into the sleepers. I mean, Calvin Ridley is obviously not a sleeper, but he should have a monster year. I mean, the, the sky's the limit for him if he stays healthy. That. 
that offense is special. So, I mean, I like him a lot. Uh, Mike Williams in, on the Chargers, again, he's probably uh, went like the 11th or 12th round last year, but his size is just tremendous. So, I like those two guys at receiver, but to be honest, I haven't really gotten too far into my uh, upcoming season stuff yet. I really want to see where these free agents end up first, get that out of the way, and then start focusing on the season. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you, uh, no question. I can tell you, uh, for what it's worth, that uh, they are going, um, I think, wide receiver 28 and wide receiver 30 right now in drafts. Uh, Calvin Ridley going at the 6.09 on average. Mike Williams going at the 6.12 on average. So, yeah, I mean, not incredible sleepers, but, I mean, the fact that you can get those guys at the end of the sixth round, you can have a really nice core and then add those guys onto it to make a pretty dominant team. Uh, final question for you uh, before we let you go tonight, Dave. I, I want to congratulate you on the 11 grand you won in the FPC for taking fourth place last season. Did, do you have any plans on, on uh, any – is that money earmarked for anything special right now? Are you saving it? What are your plans for that cash? I did actually purchase a brand-new recumbent bike, which is helping out with therapy and stuff. Uh, I've had it just about a month, and I absolutely love it. It's uh, something that I've been wanting for a while, and winning this money certainly helped. And I am flying down to see my dad and my cousins in Florida later in the month, so bought some airline tickets to Florida as well. The rest is going in the bank for now. That's awesome. All's well that ends well. I love, love to that. hear that. Love that. Yeah, those are, that's, those are, that's great. Smart decision. You get to live it up a little bit and and uh, and start prepping for uh, for 2019 drafts. Dave, congratulations on your success last year. Best of luck to you in uh, in this season's drafts uh, when when you just start jumping in on those. And uh, thanks for joining the show tonight. Really appreciate it. This was fun, man. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah. Thanks, guys. This was really amazing. I really appreciate the opportunity. Keep up the great work. We definitely will, Dave. Thank you so much. Dave Rafkine, ladies and gentlemen, the fourth place owner in the Football Guys Players Championship from last season, turned 350 bucks into eleven grand. Who to thunk it? Certainly not uh, Dave Gerzak. I believed in him all along, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I had my doubts. So that, was, yeah, that, that, that much is clear. <laughs> hey, I shared this um, story on um, the show with Leo and Balky earlier this week. I don't think – oh, you know what? You know, forget it. I, I told you. No, I, I already, I just realized this. I, I told you already. I'm not, I'm not going to bore the listeners. I want to get into some combine talk. So let, let's just eschew the story. It wasn't that funny anyway. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Football Guys, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Now, behind the scenes, and I'm giving you behind the curtain tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Gerzak, for the entirety of the, we've been on the air, 34 minutes here into this podcast, Dave has been tirelessly working what I believe he is tirelessly working on is accumulating the speed scores from the running backs at the NFL Combine today. I was checking out the porn site. All right. I knew it was uh, speed (laughs) scores or porn. Um, Actually, you know what? What's Peter North's speed score? Just curiously. That's fast. Yes. (laughs) Actually, he can delay as long as is necessary. I bet he's got a hell of a three-cone drill. Uh, yeah, I got all sorts of numbers here, Balky. All right. So um, I I have some specific players I'd like to talk about. Uh, Is that okay with you that I bring up these players and then you can tell yeah, me a little I have, bit. I have most of this data at my fingertips. So all right, perfect. So let's get into it. Uh, Miami running back Travis Homer ran the 40 yard dash in four, four, eight at the NFL scouting combine today. Travis Homer, five foot 10, 201 yards. That is the fifth fastest time. Pounds. I'm sorry. You said yards, not pounds. 201 pounds. Oh yeah. Well, it's, yeah, whatever. Um, 
That could be his career yard. Accuracy is not my strong suit. Strong suit. Uh, he rolled to the fifth fastest time by a running back in the 40-yard dash today, which was Friday. He uh, had a 39-and-a-half-inch vertical, which was second only to Justice Hill, who had a 40-inch vertical. And he had a 130-inch broad jump. That tied Justice Hill and Dexter Williams for best among the running backs. This is a guy, Dave, that won't go in the first round, but he could see his uh, name called on day two in either round two or three. Your thoughts on the hurricane, Travis Homer. Certainly doesn't have the greatest tape in the world, but the measurables were up to par today. I, if, if, he goes, if he goes there, first of all, I was watching the combine. He was the, like one of the leanest guys I, I, that I saw there. He just didn't, didn't look like an NFL running back. He really didn't. He looked more like a corner. Um, his, uh, his agility drill, he, ran a, he had a, let's see, what was it here? Uh, his three-cone drill was a 707, and his 20-yard uh, uh, shuttle was a 431. That's an 11.38 agility drill. Anything under 11 is, is really good. 11.38 is not good for someone his size. His speed score is only a 99.79, given that he's, his slight frame. When you weigh 201 pounds, if you want to be a quality, like a really high-quality NFL running back, you need to be running like the 439-440, like Justice Hill ran today. That, the, Justice Hill ran the 40 he needed to. A 448 is just not impressive at 201 pounds. Failed to top 1,000 yards rushing in both his, well, throughout his collegiate career, although he didn't play much as a freshman, 966 yards, 985 yards. Dave, he did catch 37 passes over the last two years, found the end zone 13 times as well. Uh, I think this is a guy that I won't be too excited to draft, but he lands in the right spot. Uh, I'll be looking at Travis Homer. I would not take him at all. Okay. Well, he's off Dave Gerzak's board, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about Florida Atlantic University. Come to the FAU, as uh, uh, Lane Kiffin would say. Running back Devin Singletary ran the 40 today in 4.66. Not very good. Now, he, this, he didn't even make my sheet here. <laughs> wow, that's really bad. Now, he only weighs 203 pounds, Dave, oh and, and he ran a 4.66. So this is, Why are we talking about this is no Well, now here's the thing. Uh, he has incredible tape. He's been very buzzy with a lot of uh, the scouts. What, is, what does he weigh? 203. Okay. Uh, he's been very buzzy with, uh, with the scouts. Now, this is another guy that uh, could, could be a, a day two. Well, he should be a day two pick. We'll, we'll see if he, if he makes it. That. Of course, we always say that about all these guys, and, and then they all end up falling to day three. Let me give you his, I'll give you his speed score in a second. All right. Um, I can tell you, as, as far as his collegiate stats at Florida Atlantic, he had 1,900 yards rushing. His uh, sophomore year, that fell to 1,300 this past year. He did catch 51 passes in college and found the end zone an astounding 67 times in three years. So he put up uh, pretty big numbers at Florida Atlantic. Obviously, the, the uh, competition gets called into question there. He is not a huge guy. Go ahead with his speed score, five foot nine, 200. Yeah, that's really bad. 86. Really, really bad. Yep. That's Dane-esque. <laughs> No way, Ron Dane actually was way better. Oh, I suppose because he weighed yeah, so much. He weighed like 250. Yeah. What do you run, like a 4.5, four, 4.6? Four, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't can know. find Ron Dane's speed score probably in a few minutes, but go ahead. That's, All right. that's amazing. All right, so that's Devin Singletary. So obviously, uh, you know, this is the, the combine was not meant for, 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 him, for guys like him to shine. Uh, his, uh, where he wins is on the tape, uh, or where he wins. Where, um, you know, the, the reason people like him is because of the tape that he put up at Ron, the FAU. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Ron Dane did not do the combine. He also did not participate in the physical testing at Wisconsin's Pro Day. His agent's a genius. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, he ran a 4.66 in high school, but I guess we can't really figure it out here. Uh, 59, by the way. I know I've uh, brought this up before. Ron Dane, big fan of the double captain and Cokes. <laughs> Have I not brought that up to you before? 
I don't know. I know that Steve McNair was a fan of vodka. He liked Belvedere. Oh, Belvedere. Yeah. Belvedere. He's a big <laughs> Belvedere guy. Yep. Uh, let's move on to Kentucky running back Benny Snell, Dave. He ran the 40 today uh, as well as a four six, in a 4.66. Now, the difference here is he actually weighs 224 pounds. He was a, a heavy usage uh, Kentucky this year. Um, again, a, a guy that is probably not going to be going in the first round, but we'll be paying attention to what he does uh, if he does go on day two of the NFL draft. And, you know, say what you will about Kentucky. They had a really good season uh, last year, and he was a big part of it. Benny Snell, as I look up his collegiate stats, uh, 1,400 yards this past season. He had 16 touchdowns. He caught 29 passes in three years at Kentucky uh, and uh, found the end zone a total of 48 times. Did not catch a single touchdown in his career there. But all three years at Kentucky, he ticked over 1,000 yards. And the speed score for Mr. Snell. 95. All right, so we're almost at average. <laughs> you know, you said this before. This is a really bad running back. Really bad running back class, yeah. There are there are a number of running backs that did exceed a hundred. Really? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eh, like nine or ten. Can I get through the other guys I want to talk yeah, about, and then, and then we'll get to the ones if I don't mention any of them. Yeah, okay, go for we'll it. Do no this is okay. great. Uh, Alabama running back Damian Harris, a four-five-seven in the forty today. Damian Harris, five-foot-ten, two hundred and sixteen pounds. Uh, not not a terribly slow time. Definitely not a terribly Fast time. Now, he did have a broad jump of 121 inches, vertical of 37, and he uh, benched 225 16 times today. Now, Damian Harris, if, if you're um, familiar with, with his work in college, he always seemed to be behind somebody at Alabama, and it was a big surprise when he decided to come back for his senior season. A lot of people thought uh, he would be uh, going to the NFL, and that was not the case, and he shared time again in the Alabama backfield with uh, Najee, I think it was Najee Harris and, um, and uh, Josh Jacobs uh, this past season. He failed to top 1,000 yards. However, he did top 1,000 in both his sophomore and junior seasons. Uh, 23 total touchdowns, caught 52 passes in his career as well, Dave. Your thoughts on Damian Harris? Um, his speed score is a 99.04. He did not do the agility stuff. I can't tell if they're going to do any more tomorrow or if the running backs are completely done. It looked like about half the running backs have the have – the, or, you know, sometimes the NFL just takes their sweet time putting him up. Yeah. So I don't have that for him. 99 is the, is the speed score. I believe tomorrow's the swimsuit competition. Yeah, that's when the receivers go. Right. This should be a great receiver class. Um, you know, other, I mean, it, it's not – his numbers aren't – his combine numbers are not that impressive. He just didn't do all the stuff. Yeah. And maybe there's a reason that he did not come out for uh, after his junior season, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're in Alabama, you know, you're a five-star recruit almost for sure if you're playing running back at Bama. If you're not coming out early, there, there's probably a little bit of an issue. Same thing like a Georgia back. Right. And, and well, and let's just look at last year's running back class a little bit here, too. You had uh, Darius Geis, who obviously got hurt. Saquon Barkley. Class. He yeah. might have been a fourth or fifth round. And now this class, you've already said, bulky, it's terrible. This is like the worst class ever. So maybe this was a business decision by Damian Harris yeah, good point. to come back. Uh, speaking of business decisions, let's talk about a guy that – uh, we've actually been – I've talked a lot about him on my local show. I've talked a little bit about him with you, and that's Travion Williams, the Texas A&M running back. Now, he ran the 40 and 4.51 today, and he weighs 206 pounds. The thing with Travion Williams, now, he put up some crazy stats uh, when he was at uh, Texas A&M. Now, take it with uh, 
a medium-sized grain of salt with the, uh, with the type of offense that Texas A&M runs. But, Dave, he did it all this, this past year from, uh, from a running back standpoint. He caught the ball. He ran the ball. He scored touchdowns. He did it all. He did everything, as uh, Jim Brewer's Joe Pesci character from SNL would say. Uh, Travion Williams last year, 1,760 rushing yards, 278 receiving yards. In his career at A&M, totaled 66 catches. He notched 35 touchdowns, had a pair of 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, Travion Williams, what do you have for a speed score for this young man? 99.58, so he's huh. right about yeah, right, right, right around average. Okay. Yep. Now, your thoughts on him being – now, he won't go in the first round, but um, round two, round three, is this a is, – as Farrell would say, Farrell Elliott, the KFFC commissioner, is this a guy that you'd like to be in business with for fantasy? You know, he actually looked okay in some of the drills, but the – you know, the, <laughs> we don't get to see the three-cone and the 20-yard 20, 20 shuttle. He ran a 7.44 three-cone. No bueno. In a 4.44 20-yard shuttle for an agility score of an 11.88. Right. That is a that is a brutally bad. That's some. It's an awful agility score. Apparently, he cannot go left. He cannot. He cannot go east and west. He, he can only be a north-south one-cut runner. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. So maybe in a zone blocking scheme, he could have some success. But uh, I mean, he's. I mean, he's got so much. He's got the numbers. He's got crazy numbers. Um, I guess I've. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm now down on him. I mean, right. when you have agility numbers that are that bad. Again, like you look at players like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had a at two, what do you weigh, like two thirty-five or something like he that. He was a big boy at the combine, yeah. Yeah, and he eventually got leaner, but he had a six point seven five uh, three cone. I mean, that's a that's incredible, right? Yeah. Yep. And that's what elite running backs have. And this this guy is not an elite running back. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, but he's not being drafted as one either. Well, Marshawn Lynch, if I remember correctly, did not have elite. Um, agility metrics either. So it is possible to be a good running back and not have that. It's just not easy. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't like to bet against the odds like that. Why, okay. why do I have to pick out well, one out of a hundred? I, I, I and especially when when there's so many uh, other running backs in this class too. Final one I want to talk about before we get to the rest of to, to the Gerzak Cornucopia here. Uh, James Williams, the running back from Washington State, a four five eight. Ugh, in the forty. And what does he weigh? One ninety seven. <laughs> Yeah, it's the fourth worst weight-adjusted 40 in this year's class. And, again, you know, he's, he's not a burner, but the fact that he's not a burner and he only weighs 197 pounds, mm, that's not going to be great uh, when it comes to, to be the pros. And, and I think of all the guys I talked about here in my little list, he probably stands the least likely to be drafted on Friday. He's more likely ticketed for a Saturday draft pick, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it's an 89-speed score. Ugh. I don't know if I have this agility numbers, but yeah, he's just not gonna he's not gonna be any good. The other one, another player that's really did poorly was Nick Brosette from LSU, four seven two forty, seven three eight three cone, four 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 twenty yard shuttle, and he only weighs two oh nine. He looked he he looked terrible. Yeah. He he will probably become not be drafted. I feel sorry for the fellow, but he's just not a good he's not good enough. He's not an NFL caliber athlete. And he and he played behind. You know, Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis, Darrell Williams at LSU and a long line of really successful running backs and did not work out for him, or at least it hasn't worked out for him thus far. What about, you know, we've been so negative. What about some of the positives that you can give us? Guys who scored above average for a speed score, guys that we have not mentioned yet, guys that you'd like to talk about that impressed the Dizzle. Uh, you know, one player that's a bigger person that's not, you know, kind of unheralded is the Ryquel Armstead. I don't really, I've not watched much tape on him at all. 5'11", 220. So he, 
he ran what was his uh, forty? He ran a four four five forty at two twenty. So he had the, he had the highest speed score one twelve in the combine. That I, as far as what I what I what I can tell, that was the highest one one twelve. And his agility metrics weren't bad: a four point two nine and a seven point zero two for a total of an eleven point three one. Again, for a two hundred twenty pounder, uh, that's pretty solid actually. He might be at least a special teams contributor or maybe a backup running back. Maybe he could amount to something, you know, if if, uh, if he gets in better shape at some point. He didn't have the best. He had a 30-inch vertical, 114 broad. So he's not a super explosive athlete. But, uh, you know, that's not terribly bad. I got two other guys, too, if you want me to. Yeah, just real quick on Armstead. Had a good senior bowl. He played his college ball at Temple. Not exactly a hotbed for college football success. Uh, but he's a bruiser in the fact that he can not only run three, he can run past you. He definitely improved his stock today. Go ahead, Dave. Um, Alex Barnes from K-State. Uh, he ran a 4.59 at 226. So that puts him at a 101.83 speed score, which is pretty solid. 38 and a half inch vertical, 126, so, 100, so 10 feet 6 inches on the broad jump. His three cone, though, 6.95 three cone and a 4.120 yard shuttle. That gives him an 11.05. I have that as the top agility score at the combine. Yeah, 99th percentile for the Spark X score after his uh, scouting combine uh, today. So very, very impressive. Six foot, 226 pounds. Four, five, nine, uh, forty. You already mentioned the the, the also, jumping. Yeah, thirty-four bench press reps. I just saw that. That's sick. Wow, I didn't realize that. That is crazy. Thirteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns last season for Kansas State. So, guy that you, yeah, I think Alex Barnes is the guy that we need to pay attention to. Great, great find by you there. No question. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one talking to me talking about him when you see those numbers. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders was a person that a, a, a number of people were kind of talking about after his his day today. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Now, is this the dude from Penn State? Uh, yes, Penn State. He's a Penn State back. 4.19, 6.89 on the three-cone drill. So he had an 11.08 uh, uh, agility score. His speed score is a 103.83, so that's, you know, that's decent. Uh, 5'11", two, 211 pounds. Uh, you know, he, and he's, a, he's an underclassman, so he's a young guy. 36 inches on the vertical, 124 inches uh, in, the, in the broad jump. Uh, and Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network said that Miles Sanders was his top performer from today's combine. So good on you, Miles Sanders, another guy that uh, is a shoe-in for day two, maybe even round two. Anything else you want to say about the running backs today? You know, some of the other guys that we've, we've, we've been mocking earliest in, in FFPC drafts, uh, Josh Jacobs did not work out. David Montgomery, I don't think he worked out either. That's another guy that's, that's been going very high. Um, what about the kid from uh, Memphis, Dave? Uh, Daryl uh, Henderson, is that his name? Am I, uh, am I getting that right? Yes, Daryl Henderson. Yeah. He did not do the agility drills at all. Uh, you know, four four nine. he's 5'8", 208, so he's like short, stout. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 102.35 speed score. I'd like to know what his uh, three-cone and the 20-yard shuttle are. Hopefully he does that on his pro day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's got, a, he's got a chance. He just didn't do all the drills, you know, so I, I, you know, I think he's, he could be something. I guess we'll have to see. 33 and a half inches in the vertical, 121 inches in the broad jump. Um, he had kind of a weird 40, like it was – he ran a four five three. Then his second one was at four three six. But then they marked that four three six to a four four nine officially. And he looked pretty quick running the comp, running the forty at the combine. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, Justice Hill, he kind of pulled up lame on his second forty, so he didn't do the agility stuff. But you know, he's one hundred ninety eight pounds and ran a four four zero. That's a pretty solid thing. That's a one hundred five point six five speed score. 
so now you're getting, you know, now you're getting into a little bit of the job at best Jamal Charles ish range yeah. for Justice Hill. Yeah, 198. You know, he's only a couple of pounds under 200, so you have to pay attention to him. You know, Gio Bernard was a lot slower than that when he came into the NFL and weighed about the same. And uh, had a weird ass too, which a lot of these players may or may Still not. Still does. Have. Does he really? I haven't looked at his ass. I, I, haven't, I have no idea. Maybe he's reshaped his ass. Um, okay. So to sort of sum things up, and I'm putting you in an unfortunate spot here, is there anybody that we talked about or anybody that worked out, not that skipped drills or, or anything like that, anybody that you saw today that you would consider taking in the first round of a rookie draft not knowing where he's going? If we're drafting on talent, is there a player here that, that maybe stood out to you that maybe wasn't in the first round before that might be now? Um. Because you seem, and forgive Maybe, me if I'm putting words in your mouth, you seem nonplussed at the running back. Yeah, I'm really not impressed at all. And, and the receiver class is super deep. So maybe Alex Barnes or Miles Sanders, but I wouldn't, I mean, I, it'd be tough to just take him on the, on the come or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Just right. guessing. Okay, fair enough. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, later on. Now, I want to move on and talk about the pro receivers, but we'd remiss if, it'd be remiss, excuse me, if we didn't mention uh, one of the receivers, the rookie receivers, that's garnering a lot of headlines, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted about him, uh, DK Metcalf, guy that we've talked about on this show before, looks shredded and ripped. Apparently, we underestimated how shredded and how ripped he is. You want me to riff on this, don't you? Uh, you can say whatever <laughs> you like want. You're baiting me on this. I'm not baiting you. I'm just simply stating that Ian Rappaport said that he apparently, officially, on the bod pod measure... 1.6% body fat, Dave. 1.6%. Such bullshit. It really is. Now, Will Carroll, who uh, we all know is the injury expert, one of the, uh, one, one of the big guys in the fantasy industry that you know, makes his living um, talking about people's bodies and, and athletes' bodies, he says regularly bodybuilders get down into this range. They do not. Okay. Bodybuilders, professional, amazing, unbelievable bodybuilders will get to about 4%, 3 to 4%. Anything below at that, their peak, that's on that's on competition day only. Right. So what they've been doing is they've been they've been taking steroids or whatever. I mean, in all truth, most professional bodybuilders take steroids. It's fine. Then they take diuretics, uh, and they stop drinking. They they literally will stop drinking water about 20 hours or so before the competition to flush out all the water, so they have the lowest possible body fat. And they will still be at three to four percent. You will see every visible like fiber of their muscle through their skin. That is not what DK Metcalf looks like. He's more like six to seven percent. I know this. I have trained with Martin Burkhan. I had at one point got down to six to seven percent body fat and 161 pounds. I know how lean that is. He's not that lean. He's probably and he's super awesome in shape, fantastic athlete. This just one point six is ridiculous. And I guarantee you that is not a bod pod measurement. If he actually went into one, that's not what he's gonna measure out at. Why because we- because they say doctors will tell you and bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders have died on the stage, by the way. This has happened. They say if you're at under 3% body fat, that's like you're losing your brain and liver and things like that. They're going to cease functioning. So it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number. Don't just make crap up. But it doesn't sound like they made this up. It sounds like this, this is a, an official. Um... Yeah, it's, it's totally not. It, it, I, How, why? Okay. I guarantee that he did not go, get submerged in, a bod, in, like in water or whatever. Right. In a body displacement thing to measure his body fat, and, and then it was 1.6%. If right. they did, it was, it's, impo- it's impossible for him to have probably lived through it. I guarantee he, did, he didn't dehydrate himself. I mean, it's ridiculous. 
This segment lived up to everything I thought it was. I mean, it's just, this, 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 this is so fanciful. Everything I wanted to hear, I heard <laughs> I mean, it. God. That was great. Oh, girl, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got that out of me. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to go from. Let's go. Let's go on. Talk about pro- professional receivers. I hope he doesn't die tomorrow. I hope he doesn't. I mean, either. at one point six, I really, I hope you know, God bless him. I hope he lives. You know, he's got to run a forty tomorrow. Yeah, well, if he, you know. That's the other thing. Bodybuilders just flex. He has to, he has to go through all these Spe- drills. Speaking of bodybuilders, now he put up – he and Nikhil Harry put up 27 reps on the, on the bench press today. And I wish – ah, damn it, you know. That's pretty good, actually. That's very good. For, but For a person with long arms like that to put up right. reps. But ESPN.com reported um, of, of the skill position guys oh, – I wish I could remember this stat, Dave. Um, there's only been four skill position guys that have ever benched that much and went in the first round, and they kind of all sucked. You <laughs> know, pretty funny. So, and remember, this is coming off the heels of um, Anthony Amico's report from Rotoviz.com that we talked about last week about players uh, of his ilk only having a one percent hit rate, and and uh, this is, I, I mean. Mel Kuyper has him ranked really high. Todd McShay has him ranked really high. I feel like this is me a player I'm going to stay away from. I, I'm I'm not excited to draft DJ. Ma- he's he's crushing the metrics, DK. which he, DK, excuse me. He is he's crushing the metrics, which is what he should be doing um, with with uh, with his body type. But I'm a little bit nervous. You had a great take on Twitter, and I actually I think I liked it. Uh, a guy that I, you and I hadn't even talked about, Andy Isabella from UMass, had a great Senior Bowl. And you made the case that he's actually going to have a better NFL career than DK Metcalf. And well, that was just my hot take. Uh, but uh, you know what? I, I don't. That might even be lukewarm because I, I think I might agree with that. I like Isabella a lot. I think he's a super talented player. He's. A, I think he's a very very underrated. He's gonna. He's okay. We're this is on a Friday night tomorrow. Isabella is going to blow up the combine. Really? I think he's going to have a phenomenal combine. You know, Isabella um, Denzel Ward. He's a cornerback for yeah. Ohio State. He was now is with the Browns. Isabella beat him in the track meet, the 100-yard dash. Uh, he took first, and Ward took third in high school. So this guy is super fast. He's, he's a burner. He's ripped like Edelman, and he doesn't even probably take steroids like Edelman does. He gets suspended for <laughs> right. four games every season. <laughs> right. So, I mean, this guy's an incredible athlete. Just because he's a white guy, I mean, people are like, oh, my God. I don't well, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that, but he flew under the radar in college playing for UMass. I mean, I, that's, yeah, he had incredible production. I think he has a shot at actually playing outside. A lot of people poo-poo that, but Brandon Cooks plays outside. Right. And he's not – he's, what is he, 5'8", five, 5'9"? Uh, I'll look it up right now. It's possible. I know he's a shorter guy, uh, but I I think he's going to really do well. You know, Metcalf, I'm a little bit – I'm not sure what to make of him yet. I I might still draft him possibly in some drafts. 5'9", 186 for Andy Isabella. So, I mean, he's not 5'8". So, 5'9", it's a little short. But, I mean, what is Cooks? Like 5'10"? Oh, excuse me. I was looking at uh, a previous year. He is now 5'10", 190. Is he really? Yes. According to his Wikipedia page. (laughs) Do we have a combine number for him yet? Uh, I don't know if we should. Yeah, anyway, whatever. So it's fine. Whatever it is, I, I, I think he's going to be great. Metcalf, I'm in eight dynasty leagues. Maybe I'll take Metcalf in one just so I don't get, not get him in one. FOMO. <laughs> Fear of missing out. It might be. It might for be. For Dave Gerzak. All right, let's I look. I not take him at 101, though. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, I, I know we're up against it, and we wanted to do a combine-heavy show. You know, this is really the, the, the combine show because we get to the next Friday show – and all this stuff will be old. You know, the receiver information will be old. The tight end information will be old. Nobody cares about quarterbacks uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so let's look at how the uh, wide receivers finished last year. Dave, and right at the top of the list, we see a guy who is being drafted as the number one overall receiver in FFPC drafts this year. Going on average at the 107, it's DeAndre Hopkins. I can totally get on board with this. 
Sure. Yeah, Hopkins is great. Are you surprised that Julio Jones was wide receiver two last year? You know, Julio did something weird. Scored touchdown. He started catching touchdowns. Yeah. You know, I like that. That's actually pretty great. More so, power to him, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to stop ripping on him. Average 20.6 points per game last year. Julio Jones, Dave, is not being selected until the mid-second round behind such luminaries as Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and Tyreek Hill. That seems about right, though. Let me ask you this. Who would you rather have in 2019, Julio Jones or the dude going right behind him, Juju Smith-Schuster? You know, I think in a redraft league... That's what I'm asking. I think I'm taking Julio. I mean, like... Juju, Juju would play a lot out of the slot. He's going to lose Antonio Brown. He's going to be catching possibly bracketed coverage. Uh, he's a great young player. Uh, on Dynasty, I love him way more. I love him a lot more than Julio. Julio's just one year older, still playing with Matty Ice, and you know Ridley's coming out a little bit. Right, so, that's the other thing. That's yeah, they're going the to lead there. have to pay attention to Ridley. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know Ridley's stats might go up, but I, I feel like Julio's going to have another you know, killer year. Yeah, okay. I'm with you on that. Uh, and Julio Jones, did, I don't think he missed a ton of games last year like he is want to do. Uh, no question. Let's move down the list a little bit. Antonio Brown is the number five receiver last year. Um, by, um, by average fantasy points per game, he actually finished as the number two wide out. Obviously missing week 17 did not help his cause at all. Michael Thomas, dude, uh, this is a guy, he, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't look up how many touchdowns he scored. It just seemed like every game he'd have nine or ten catches for like 110, 111 yards, or 110, 120 yards. And uh, was, was extremely, extremely consistent. You go by uh, fantasy points per game. I think he is still the wide receiver six. Yes, he is. Um, but he's a guy uh, who's going in, in uh, on average, the first pick of the second round. I'm totally fine with starting my draft with, with Michael Thomas as my, as my first choice at, after the turn or my first choice in the first round. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. Actually, watching Michael Thomas play a lot, he's such a, he is a really great, great player. I wish I had been higher on him as a rookie. I feel like Drew Brees in a couple games, kind of let him down. Like, that, he should have done way better than he did, and Breeze either missed him or didn't target him enough. Or Remember that game where Breeze inexplicably had, like, 160 – whatever it was, it was some terrible game. Yeah. And he just did poorly, and it's like, you know, why aren't you hitting Thomas here? And he seemed like he was open all the time. So I, I feel like there's some definite upside even for Thomas from where he was finished this past year. The Vikings wide receivers, Adam Thielen, it finished at number seven, Stephon Diggs at number 10. Now this is interesting because Adam Thielen is not being drafted until the 306. Stephon Diggs even later at the 312. Seems a little bit late for both of them, Dave, unless you believe that Dalvin Cook is going to have a big year. It's kind of funny. They're both being drafted kind of where they were last year, and they both lived up to what they yep. were drafted last year. <laughs> so I don't understand. There's no hype. Yeah, There's like, no hype. All right. Well, cool. I guess we'll just take them again. Yeah. If you took them there last year, take them again because you were happy with how they did. Now, here's a guy, finished at wide receiver 11, Dave, uh, and he is not being drafted until, as I look it up here, till the 410. You get the wide, last year's wide receiver 11 at the end of the fourth round, and he is from the NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. It's Robert Woods. You know, I kind of get that a little bit because Cooks is coming, or not Cooks, Cup is coming back. Yep. And so you have to deal with now you have three receivers. Although, you know, there's some news about Gurley we didn't really talk about, that Gurley may have to go through some stem cell procedure that came out today on Rotoball. Yeah, yeah. So if, if uh, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. So if Goff is, tri- you know, chucking it to three different guys, and they don't really use their tight ends very much, I know Everett's there, but they don't do much with him. Yeah. I can see it. I, mean, I, I kind of get that draft spot, though. It makes sense to me. Brandon Cook's going uh, two spots ahead of him at the 408 right now. Uh, one of the biggest luminaries last season uh, for people off the waiver wire, wide receiver 17, it's Tyler Boyd. Don't look, Dave. Where is he going in drafts right now with the FFPC? Uh, the middle of the blank round. Six. 
That is correct. Really? Six oh six. Yeah. All right. So dead on there. I, I don't really have anything to to report. <laughs> I thought thought there'd be more of a story there, oh, but apparently not. Amari uh, Cooper, are you down with him? I mean, he finished as wide receiver nineteen last year, and if you want him in uh, FFPC drafts, you have to pay a premium. It's the three oh nine going ahead of guys like Stephon Diggs and Brandon Cooks, AJ Green. I think I would take. I think I would take Diggs and Thielen over Cooper. If I know, I know. You know, Cooper did really well once he reached the Cowboys, and he had a couple of those huge, just huge games. But some, you know, a, lot, a couple of those plays were like 70, 80 yard touchdowns, and it just, for whatever reason, they, they, I watched those plays, I saw them live, and I'm like, oh, that was just kind of fluky. How did Cooper even score? For, you know, I, did, I just yeah. didn't get it. Yeah. He didn't look super explosive to me for some reason. I just, I don't know why. I'm a little bit down on Cooper compared to where he's being drafted. Oh, plus Jason Witten is going to be taking all those targets from him now. You know, that's yuck it up, but that's actually probably 80 to 90 targets. Yeah. I'd be surprised. I'm not excited about Jason Witten at all this year. The thing that's funny is <laughs> Witten realized that he sucks at broadcasting. Yeah. He's like, you know, as a washed-up tight end, I could be better at that than as a, as a now soon-to-be-retired broadcaster. Yeah. Maybe they were going to fire him from broadcasting. Well, here's, then, here's, my, here's my – You're in the industry. Tell me. Here's my take on it. They already had said, like right after the season ended, that the entire Monday night team is coming back. Salters and Booger and Witten and Tessator. Okay? Okay. I think they changed their mind after they got some feedback and some blowback on that. <laughs> and they kind of said to him, like, look, we're going to wait till this dies down, but we're probably going to be reshuffling around. And Witten's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm just going to head you off at the pass. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go back to the Cowboys for $5 million next year. And uh, that way we all can save face. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying that makes a lot of sense. That doesn't. That makes a whole lot of sense. I'm going to tell you a player right now I will have on zero of my teams this coming year, Dave. He's going at the 410 right now. He's wide receiver 22 last year, and that is Mr. Kenny Galladay. This guy could not be playing on a worse offense. Matt Patricia loves to run the ball, gets rid of Jim Bob Cooter, who loved to throw the ball, and he hires as his new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel who not only loves to run the ball, played college at Wisconsin, where I'm not sure if he ever threw a pass in four years as the Wisconsin quarterback. <laughs> this is really bad for Detroit's uh, passing game. It's bad for Stafford. It's great for on Johnson and whoever else they add there, but I, I'm not taking Kenny Galladay in the end of the fourth round. You know, I really would agree with you, except for there's, one, there's this one person. He's a really good tweeter. For, at Tupacker? Yeah. Yeah. He's been telling people all last year. Yeah. The last year wasn't the year to draft Kenny Galladay, but that it would be this year. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I know. I haven't heard I haven't heard Tupac weigh in on Twitter on it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to wait for his opinion. Okay, that that's fair enough. I'm just telling you right now, I I can't envision myself like <laughs> that. A uh, guy that I owned in in a couple of spots last year, Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver 23. Uh, he's not going to restructure. Denver's probably not going to release him. He's coming off the Achilles. Uh, that's no bueno for me. Um, moving on down this list, uh, Corey Davis, I'm still a believer, wide receiver 29. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, you are, what in the hell? I mean, the, the 608, I, mean, I just, I don't know. I, I can't, he's, maybe he's my new Eddie Lacy, but I, I can get on board with him there. Why? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Why is he good? What's good about him? Uh, he sucks. Hold on. I'm looking, I'm seeing some <laughs> other guys that are going after him that I might, I might take him. Look, quick, would you rather Corey Davis, Corey Davis or Alshon Jeffrey? <laughs> Oh, man. That's like, do you want to get shot or do you want to get hung? For me, it's or Corey hanged. Davis. Sorry. Hanged, yeah. Uh, I'll take Davis because this is the upside. Corey Davis or Doug Baldwin coming off I'll, a pair of off-season surgeries? You know, I'll take Baldwin. I'll take a healthy Baldwin. Well, I don't know how healthy he's going to be. 
Well, he's coming off of him. <laughs> All right, I'm thinking Davis. <laughs> Corey Davis or Calvin Ridley? Oh, Ridley for shizzle. Yeah, I agree. Corey Davis or DJ Moore? <laughs> oh, yeah, DJ Moore. DJ Moore, by the way, where's being drafted now is ridiculously cheap. 6'10". Corey Davis or Mike 6'10? Williams? 6'10"? Okay, maybe it's not ridiculously cheap. All Corey right. Davis or Mike Williams? I don't really like Mike Williams, uh, but I'm going to still take him over Davis. Oof, come on. <laughs> Let's bet that right now. I have Corey Davis. Oh, are you, are you forcing me to bet it? Fine, I'll bet. I'll no, you, I'm not forcing you. It, I, you know, I don't even like Mike Williams, but I'll take Mike well, Williams. Well, I mean, this is such a snap decision for you. That, sure, I'll take Mike Williams. All right, $5. I got, I got Corey game. Davis, uh, five on Corey Davis, outscoring Mike Williams this year uh, in the FFPC. I got five on a guy. I don't even I like Mike five. Williams. <laughs> Perfect. Um, last one, Corey Davis or Chris Godwin? Godwin, for sure. Really? Yeah. I guess, yeah. No Adam Humphreys there. Okay, I can get out. Oh, did you hear Humphreys might get $10 million a year? Yeah, there's no way he's getting $10 million a year. That just, I mean, I'm who, not putting five on that. Yeah, no, there's, I cannot see that happening. Um, moving on, DJ Moore is wide receiver 36 last year, but he that was his rookie season. Uh, everything to go but, or nowhere to go but up there. And Devin Funches, by the way, somewhere on social media today, referred to himself as a former Carolina Panther receiver, so that just means more targets for him, for yeah. DJ Moore. I feel like, I, actually, I feel like, you know who's underrated on the Panthers? I think it's Curtis Samuel. I think he's, I don't know where he's being drafted exactly, but uh, he's going to come in and, and play that second receiver position, and uh, he did really well last year at times. You want to take a guess where he's being drafted? Uh, 809. 13.05. <laughs> okay, I was a little 13.05. Off. That's so, right. I mean, yeah. that, you know, you could actually kind of hand, if you, especially if you're doing basketball, take DJ Moore and snap up Samuel, and you're in great shape. Uh, wide receiver 40 last year was Allen Robinson, Dave. Have we, uh, the ship sailed on him? They just spread it around too much in Chicago. You know, for some reason, I'm still a little bit on board with Allen Robinson. I know it wasn't great. Um, he had a few good games. You know, I feel like Trubisky is going to get a little bit better, but I know what you're saying. I, I, I wonder what's going to happen this The volume week. is just not there for him. The volume is not there. Right. Uh, Allen Robinson or Corey Davis, Dave? I would take Allen Robinson over Corey Davis. I think FFPC owners would agree with you if I'm – yeah, he's going a round ahead of Corey Davis. Uh, wide receiver 50, guy who has a big opportunity in front of him this year. He didn't do much of it last year. He dropped a lot of balls. It's Cortland Sutton. He's going at the 905 as the uh, – ostensibly the, the wide receiver one for Denver. Yeah, I'm just not that big of a fan of Cortland Sutton. I own him in zero spots and zero leagues. I own him in a bunch. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, quite frankly, I don't know how it happened. Uh, I, don't th- yeah, I don't think you totally loved him, and I don't think I totally hated him, but just for whatever reason, he didn't get on any of my teams. Well, Dave, maybe with Christian Kirk, who I don't even mind. Yeah. I'm actually a little annoyed I don't have any Christian Kirk shares. Dave, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of late first-round dynasty picks <laughs> last year that I traded for and sure uh, traded up from the 201. <laughs> and, uh, and so I ended up with, uh, with Cortland Sutton on a lot of teams. So we'll see what happens there. I still feel good about it. Um, but he, he, uh, he totally could emerge. He's got the size and speed and everything like that. But what, did he, what, was it, what was his stats last year approximately? Uh, for um, Court, Cortland Sutton. Well, you know, they're kind of skewed because, I mean, if he finished at wide receiver 50, he averaged eight and a half, eight and a, half a game. But, I mean, he again. He started for a long right, time. That, and that, all that. That. He had Demarius Thomas there early. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Uh, I, I can I, I can bring up the splits here in in, in a second, but um, I will say that uh, Cortland Sutton, as far as getting him in the mid ninth round, you can do a lot worse with a ninth round pick than the upside that you'd be getting with Cortland Sutton there. Um, I'd rather have Curtis Samuel three rounds later. Yeah, well, you can have both, Dave. That's uh, the beauty of fantasy football. It sure is nice. Um, yeah, after the buy, this is not great actually. I'm just looking at this. <laughs> Um, I'm going to recite the, give you the number of catches he had after their bye, which came in week 10, three, one, four, two, 
five, six, and one. Yeah, I, see, I heard a five and a six in there. Five for 42, six for 65. Eh. No touchdowns? Uh, no, he had four, four scores last year. I meant those teams. Okay, whatever. Uh, in the six for 65 game he got in the end zone, which, by the way, that was against Oakland. So take that for whatever <laughs> it's worth. Um, all right, moving on here. I don't think there's a whole lot else to say. I don't think there's anybody else I really want. Marvin Jones at wide receiver 63. Again, going back to the whole Detroit thing, I'll be avoiding that. Um, what so, about Dante Pettis? Are we I was Dante just going to bring him up. All Dante right. Pettis. All yeah. Right. Because this is a guy that, that uh, a lot of people are excited about for this season. You know, we found out, or according to John Lynch, he hasn't had any conversations with the Steelers about um, Antonio Brown. Why don't you take a guess at where he's going right now in drafts? Uh, FFPC best ball. 13. 10.03. You know, that's kind of, that, that just shows there's some hype there for him. He's going ahead of guys like Larry Fitzgerald, Golden Tate, Manny Sanders, and Christian Kirk. Ahead of Fitzgerald, a ahead Hall of, of Famer. Ahead of Fitzgerald, yes. Dante Pettis, a Hall of Famer. Allegedly. Over a Hall of Famer. All right. um, Traquan Smith, I, I think we, we saw what he's capable of, and that's a lot of inconsistency. I don't, you know, Marquise Goodwin is a guy I'll keep an eye on this year. Where's he going in drafts, just curiously? Because he finished last year as a wide receiver 85, and that's with a lot of missed time. You know, oh, I would, you know what, where would Marquise Goodwin, who we all, everyone, we advise everyone not to draft, where did he go last year in drafts? About the fourth? Uh, yeah, I don't think it was that early. Um, was I got in the him, fifth. Well, I got him in the sixth round in Kentucky in one draft, and that's like wide receiver, yeah. the arms race there. I um, have a player, one more player. Uh, okay, you have one more player. That Go ahead uh, with that after I tell you Marquise Goodwin's going at the 1503 in drafts right now. Well, now that's more approximately appropriate. Yep. What about Albert Wilson from Miami? He was killing it for a little while. He averaged 13.9 points per game, uh-huh. including that huge monster game. And now he's going to be back. I mean, granted, the team sucks and they're doing whatever, but, I mean, he's got to be pretty cheap. You know what's great is, like, whether Devontae Parker's on that team or not doesn't really affect Albert Wilson. Yeah, yeah Parker's <laughs> awful. It's like whether he's there or not. Uh, yeah, he, you can get him super late. 1806 right now is where Albert Wilson's going. Cheap. Yep, nice. very cheap. Uh, all in all, Dave, I, I think that that kind of puts a, a bow on the uh, the wide receiver discussion. We'll take a look at tight ends next week, and obviously we'll have some more metrics to discuss with both the wide receivers and tight ends. So far, uh, we're 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 not impressed. We are not entertained by what we've seen at the combine thus far. Wide Real, receiver class would be great, though. Really unfortunate for me tomorrow. Oh, yeah? You have to hang out with the wife and kids? Yeah, I... Um, Sorry to hear that. Uh, we are, we're building something at Home Depot at 9 in the morning. What, is that, what the hell does that mean? You're going first, to Home first, Depot and building a yeah, shed? Yeah, first... What are you building a shed? First, I don't know. No, first Saturday of every <laughs> month there, they have, like, a project for the kids, and they give you, like, the wood, and you, like... Um, what the hell was that? What? Well, what are you doing? I closed my computer. I know, but... but, but you seemed surprised to see what was on your screen, and then you shut it. I looked at the percentage. I, I, I have a replacement battery for this computer. Oh, and, I got and it. It shuts off at like 40%. That's fine. It was I got at it. 44%. I'm like, close it down yeah. before it shuts off. No, there's something. You, you like build something there. Uh, we built a bunch of stuff, so we're doing that. We're going to go to the Children's Museum after that, and then we are going to... Your wife has like these itineraries she creates. Yeah, I should check the itinerary right now. With, with, I can't remember what the other thing was. It was something from 1 to 3 in the afternoon. Um, that we are going to, it is, oh, we're, we're building a clock at Home Depot, and then we're building a birdhouse at Michael's. 
Uh, so clocks and birdhouses are the name of the game tomorrow. You know, those are available for purchase at various stores and shops. And Dave, it's, it's all about the magic of having your kids build something that their father never could. Um, so, so that's, that's what I'm excited about. How about a happy life? Uh, I have a happy life. They <laughs> have a happy kidding. life. As, as far as I know, they have a happy uh, life. I'm sure I will share that story real quick. Um, when we were talking about thinking of happy thoughts before we go to bed so we don't have bad dreams. Yeah. We were naming a bunch of things off, and my five-year-old son said, yeah, like beer. <laughs> so great. there you go. Uh, brewing them young, as it were. That's going to do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Dave Rafkind for coming on the show this week. A reminder, uh, once again, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Look for that Thursday morning. Christopher Hart and Toby Bielkini, the uh, double FFPC Dynasty winners last year at the $750 level, and uh, they also took 11th place in the main event as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll be back here 10, 9 central next Friday as well. I want to uh, thank Dave Rafkind, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Rice, and of course all of you. Check out the Dynasty Orphans. Be on the lookout for those Dynasty startups coming early next week. Best ball leagues obviously still going on at myffpc.com. Your NFL Combine This has been another now. episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on a steamy floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. Not that I am saying I am right in the wager we just made. <laughs> you might be. Corey Davis outscored Mike Williams last year by three points. All right. Corey Davis averaged about 0.2 more points a game last year. Now, Dave, I'm going to look up how many touchdowns Corey Davis had last year. Yeah, I know Mike Williams had 10. Mike Williams had 10. Corey Davis last year had four. Yeah. So And well, he still beat him. Yeah, that just means that Corey Davis still sucks at scoring touchdowns. But he's yeah. great at everything else. Yep, you're Mr. Regression of the Mean. Uh, you can take that to the bank. I know we got Henry coming back on the Chargers, too. That's another thing to deal with. And we got Henry coming back on the Titans. That's another thing to deal with for Corey Davis, too. And you got Delaney Walker coming back on the Titans. Uh, he's, he's actually, he's actually he's a good trash. player. trash. Come on. You know who's trash is Johnny Smith. Delaney Walker. He is, yeah, football. both of them. I, like, <laughs> Delaney, the thing is, like, Delaney Walker, the, the, he has had such a long career, and now it's being marred by injury. I'm, I'm not super excited about that. I think Tennessee brings another receiver and a guy who's going to contribute. Do you Matt still – who's the other guy that you liked last year? Um, Taewon Taylor. Do you still like him? He didn't do enough to really – I'm not that – yeah, not really. All right. I was hoping he would have done more. It was his second year. He didn't do much. Okay, fair enough. And uh, I guess what we learned tonight, Corey Davis is awesome, and so is Eric Balkman. <laughs> That's so true. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Combine. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.